For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Today's episode of Real Talk with Zuby is sponsored by my own book, Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody. As we approach this holiday period and the winter season when people tend to let themselves go, I think it's even more important that you make sure that you keep your body on track, both with your training and with your nutrition. If you struggle to stay motivated and consistent with your diet and exercise, I break it all down for you in simple terms so that you can really understand it and put this information to use in a way that you can remember it forever and you can change your life for the better forever. If you struggle to lose weight, if you're struggling to build muscle, trying to lose fat, trying to get fitter, trying to get stronger, whatever your goal is, Strong Advice will show you how to do that. Now, if you want to get a copy of Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody, go to teamzuby.com and you can check it out on there. It's available on ebook, paperback, and audiobook. I've been going to the gym for 16 years myself and I've made a whole ton of mistakes, so I wrote this book so that you don't have to. You can go and you can get the most effective workouts in, you can craft your diet properly, and you can make sure you hit your goals and stick with your plan. Strong advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody. You can go check that out right now at teamzuby.com. Now on with the program. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stunt me a destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a bang, click and I bang, y'all gon' remember the name. Y'all gon' remember the name. What's up ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. On today's episode, we've got on another special guest. This is Jamie Kilstein. He is a comedian and host of the Jamie Kilstein podcast. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm so glad to be doing this. Uh, you're probably not going to say this because you're nice. I'll say it. Where we were supposed to do the podcast a long time ago, and I lived up to my liberal stereotypes, where at the time I was so poor, I had a broken computer, and like it couldn't handle any video. Like I was like, I can do Skype audio or whatever, and you were like, we need video. And I was like, I'll try. And like literally, it looked like smoke was coming out of the computer. It was just like, <laughs> cannot handle flash. Uh, and like the computer shut down. Uh, and, uh, I was like, well, I'll see you in a couple months when I, uh, when I get a new computer, buddy. No doubt, man. Well, we got it now. So we did it. A, yeah, man. So I've just done a really brief intro, but why don't you tell people a little bit more about you? Sure. Uh, I'm a stand-up comic. I started uh, stand-up when I was uh, 17. Uh, I, I dropped out of high school, lived out of my car for a couple years, um, became, I'll name drop because it ends tragically. Anytime you hear a comedian start to say something good about themselves, know that something terrible is going to happen because uh, it's like self-hating artist stuff. Um, I, yeah, I got discovered uh, when I was living out of my car, um, started to do all the big festivals, uh, Robin Williams kind of took me under his wing, got me his manager and agent. And there was a year that I kind of call like the year I was almost famous where I did Conan and a bunch of TV stuff. Uh, you know, I would do Rogan's all the time. 
And then what happened was I had a very progressive political liberal podcast. Um, my comedy kind of flatlined at the same time that the podcast blew up. But the podcast, because the comedy was flatlining, we were getting less comedy fans and more political fans. So suddenly mm. we were hearing about, you know, our language being offensive or we can't cover this story because it doesn't, uh, you know, involve a Latino X trans wheelchair, yeah. uh, whatever. Um, and so we started going down that route. And because I was sort of like the white guy in the progressive circle, I had enough guilt that was like, well, that's probably my fault. And so I would start to censor myself and stuff like that. You know, uh, Rogan and I got in some infamous feminist feminism debate. That's sort of when I planted my flag and was like, I guess I'm done with comedy. Uh, and I'm like this political guy. Um, then my life kind of imploded on the left. All the stuff I would uh, laugh at guys about happened to me. Um, I the sort of what's the sort of timing of this? The timing of it, like how long ago was it? Yeah. Um, well, essentially what happened was, you know, my, without getting into too many details, cause I've tried not to, the way to survive stuff like this is essentially not to get bitter. Cause I've seen guys, I've seen people, um, get really bitter and angry and I, I couldn't do that. So I, I try to like, not, uh, trash any people but essentially what happened was like me and uh my ex had turned into a friendship i was an idiot and after years of that finally caved and uh, uh had this dumbass affair and then because i was in the super woke feminism world uh having an affair and having one night stands got turned into uh, a headline of uh, a predatory sexual misconduct. Uh -oh. So if you Google me um, as my very sweet uh, girlfriend's conservative parents who live in Dallas, Texas did, um, it looks like I'm a sex criminal. Oh, and no. then you click the article, which most people don't. Um, and it was uh, a feminist has uh, literally consensual one night stands uh, one dumb affair that was also consensual mm -hmm. um, and uh, slept around, um, which is not sexual misconduct. It's being a young idiot. Uh, you know, are there things I could have done better? Totally. I should have gotten out of that relationship earlier. I should mm -hmm. have been more confident. Uh, there's plenty of stuff that I messed up. Was it sexual uh, predatory behavior? Uh, absolutely not. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and it still affects me. You know, I haven't talked about this, but I had gigs canceled on me last week. Um, is this from people just searching your name and just reading headlines? That's it. Yeah. Or one person on Twitter complaining and mm -hmm. people are so scared nowadays um, that that happens. So uh, we can go back to that if you'd like, but uh, circle away from the tragedy. Uh, I spent two years getting healthy, uh, meditating, coaching jujitsu, kind of thinking I'm going to quit comedy. Rogan reaches out to me. Another comic, this guy named Doug Stanhope, reaches out to me and was like, you got you to get back. They brought me on their show. I had the big redemptive I'm not a sex predator party. Mm -hmm. um, slowly started tiptoeing back into comedy. And now I host this podcast. Um, I'm still pretty liberal. I'm still definitely more left than you are. Um, but what's cool about the podcast is I can have progressives on who actually see a Republican point of view and aren't going to mm -hmm. call conservatives Nazis. And then I can have, I've literally had people from the Bush administration on who back in the day I called war criminals and mm -hmm. we can have an amazing conversation about things we disagree with. So 
you know, I'm sure just like your podcast, we're kind of just building this community of, uh, I call them tribalist misfits. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's what I'm focused on now. And I'm finally getting back into stand up and, uh, still doing jujitsu. And that is my long, very dramatic bio, buddy. <laughs> Okay, cool. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I, there's some stuff on there I'm, I'm curious to dig into a little bit more. Yeah, for so sure. So I want to learn a little bit more about your sort of previous belief system or ideology and how you kind of came into it. So tell us a little bit more, I guess, what's your, what's your story prior to getting into comedy? Like where, where did you grow up? What were your beliefs, ideas? Where, where did it all come from? How did you end up in that space being, I guess, what you yourself would call a a social justice warrior or hyper progressive, whatever you may call it? I didn't use any of those words. You just used them against me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what Um, you used to call it. What what did you? No, no, no. You're right. What did you used to call yourself? Well, here's what's funny. The first time I was called a social justice warrior, I I was so self-righteous that I thought it was a compliment. Where like someone on Twitter was like, you social justice warrior. And I was like, (laughs) thank you. I am fighting the good fight. Uh, And then it started to get called to me like enough that I was like, I got to Google this. I was like, oh, it's not good. Um, Yeah, that's such an interesting question because I feel like all the podcasts I do, uh, they kind of want to dive into like the controversy and what's happening now. And they kind of just want me to uh, uh, crap all over liberals. Mm -hmm. Um, This is fascinating. So I haven't thought about this. So I grew up uh, in New Jersey. Um, You know, classic artist, didn't get along with my dad. Um, Mom was an alcoholic. Um, But they were both very loving. Mm. Um, They just were in a bad marriage um, and had their issues. Um, I'm the oldest of five. So I'm very much, if you look at uh, the trajectory of my family, it was clear that my parents kept learning from their mistakes. So like I was a stoner who dropped out of high school and did comedy. Then my sister, the next oldest, she dropped out, but then she got her GED, which I didn't. Mm-hmm. Went to college, got her master's, became this like teacher education uh, consultant lady. Uh, uh, next brother, first one to graduate college, developed this whole MMA program in India, coached wrestling, did Teach for America. Now he's at Yale Law. Next brother, got into Columbia, also in Yale Law. Mm-hmm. Uh, youngest, Harvard. So it's just oh, okay. like, I'm... I, I'm the type. It, it, it's it's clear where I am in the uh, <laughs> it, whatever. Um, and by the way, just so I don't forget, that was also one of the reasons that um, I think I kept leaning into, you know, I, when I was super progressive, uh, super woke, social justice warrior, hyper uh, progressive, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, I it was the first time I was successful, and it was actually. Uh, for the first time, I was actually more successful than my, uh, my siblings Mm. where, you know, again, high school dropout broke. Suddenly I had a ton of money. Suddenly I had this great place, um, on prospect park in Brooklyn. I was, you know, even though the relationship wasn't good, I was technically married. Like it was, Mm. it was the first time that I sort of fit in the boxes you're supposed to fit. So that was another reason I think I was so scared to, to give it up, whether it was mm. conscious or subconscious. I was like, I'm finally doing the right thing. Everyone is finally proud of me. I finally fit in. Um, even though it was the most depressed I ever was, I was suicidal. I was yeah. miserable. So, so anyway, I have a, I have, sorry, man, I don't want to interrupt you. So no, you, no, no, no. So did you have those kind of thoughts and beliefs kind of going into it? Or was it more like, you kind of got to that position and then you adopted them. No. Well, okay. So it, it, it's both, you know, I think a lot of people 
think that um, at no point was I consciously like, oh, talking about being vegan will bring me money. You know yeah. what I mean? Because like it doesn't. Mm. Um, but but I definitely I censored myself a lot um, when I finally got there. You know, so leading up to it, I was I was super progressive in a. I mean, look, the things that I define. Um, my liberalism by, I don't think any decent person would disagree with. I don't um, want people to be bullied because they are different, uh, mm -hmm. whether that's race or gender or sexuality. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want people to die in unnecessary wars, whether that's American troops or uh, civilians on the other side. Mm -hmm. um, I... I want everybody to have a chance to um, not go broke because of their health care, to have access to education, um, and so on. These are things that before I assumed every Republican disagreed with. Okay. And what I've learned becoming really close friends with people from, you know, Glenn Beck, who I used to have Glenn Beck on my, I know you just did his show too. I used to have him on my resume calling me a doofus because I was just like, <laughs> screw you. I thought it was so funny. My resume was literally, it was like a quote from Robin Williams. It was a quote from uh, Rolling Stone. And then it was Jamie Kilstein is a doofus, Glenn Beck. <laughs> and now we exchange these like pen pal-esque emails. So um, and, but what I've learned is it's like, no, 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 no. And I talk about this on the podcast a lot. Everyone, of course, wants those things, mm -hmm. um, you know, unless you're just like a, a legitimate white supremacist or you're just you don't care. You know, you're yeah. like a Mr. Burns and the Simpsons. Um, it's just we have different ways uh, to get there. Right. So Republicans think that it's more personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know, my old self was like, we have to give people whatever they need to survive, and then hopefully they will be able to fend for themselves. The answer is probably somewhere in the middle, like most things. Um, so I was very, you know, I was just a hippie. Like we, I, my dad was Jewish, my mom was Christian, but we didn't go to church or synagogue. So like, you know, of course, like every college age person, I'm like, I'm spiritual, but not religious, which just means I smoke weed and like <laughs> once read a, tried to read a book on Taoism. Um, but I just... I wanted people to be happy. You know, let's call it a naive political view where I gotcha. just was like, everyone should be treated well. You know, I believe there was a God, but I thought that when religion started trying to take away rights from people, I'm like, mm. I don't think God would want to do that. So I became very political, but not in like the Democrat D, uh, you know, or like toward, like I was just, I stood up for what I thought was right. So sure. I learned about politics through comedy. I learned about politics through George Carlin, mm -hmm. through Bill Hicks. And Bill Hicks, much like my career, flopped in America and blew up overseas because he was going after organized religion. He was going after the Bush, the first Bush administration, mm -hmm. uh, talking about the wars, et cetera. Now, where my political life, where it started to sort of butt heads it's George Carlin and Bill Hicks also were huge proponents of the First Amendment and freedom of speech. So mm -hmm. even though we knew of Carlin and Pryor and Hicks as these, I would have called them lefties, 
all of them would be canceled today. I mean, Pryor talked about domestic abuse and uh, uh, drug addiction and, you know, Carlin would go after PC people. He would just be called another old white man who doesn't get it. Um, And who knows where Hicks would be. I mean, Hicks was friends with Alex Jones. People don't understand. (laughs) Before Alex Jones went off the rails, uh, like Bill Hicks and uh, uh, they used to like do mushrooms in Austin together. Um, So, these were sort of my heroes. And again, they weren't getting into political policy. They were what I saw sticking up for the underdog Mm -hmm. um, and being filthy and hilarious about it. And that, I feel like that's where I'm back to. Mm -hmm. Um, The problem was, like I said, once we started to lose those comedy fans and started to only get very progressive fans, um, the comedy aspect and the language, that stuff started getting chipped away. And the stories, we were covering less about income inequality and more about, you know, this celebrity used the wrong word or yeah. why is Scarlett Johansson being cast as like an Asian man or like whatever okay. liberals <laughs> are mad about, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I just, and then it was just me and it was ego. I just felt like I'm kind of failing in comedy, but these people love me mm. along with, being a high school dropout and hanging out with a bunch of progressive journalists, if someone says I'm wrong, I used to have a big chip on my shoulder. And I'm like, I guess I'm the dum-dum who just makes like sex jokes. So, you know, even though like that's not true. Like I was on panels on MSNBC with like Nobel Prize like uh, winners and like, you know, but I still had that I'm the dumb high school dropout. So if people said that's offensive or you got to stop talking about your issues as a white man, like that, or, you know, talk about microaggressions, I kind of was like, all right, you guys seem well-intentioned enough and I'm the enemy. uh, So I guess you're right. Yeah, you can, you can, you can never totally please these people, as, you, as I'm sure you you know very, very well now. Dude, jeez, yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I, I've been trying to tell people for for the longest time. It's re, it's weird. It's like in the last couple of years, because I'm not someone who's um ever really like shifted politically. Like I've been kind of red pilled since my teens, if you want to use that term that people. Sure. Use. I was kind of red pilled before it was a thing. If we're going to call yeah. me a social justice warrior, we're totally calling you red pilled. Okay. You can call me, you can call me red pilled. <laughs> so it's like, I, there's things that I saw even as much as 10 or more years ago. And it was, I always kind of felt like I was in this weird situation where most people almost didn't see it or they didn't yeah. kind of realize it. When I talk about certain things and I'd be like, no, but it's not, uh, for a great example, like if we're going to take a really, really basic example is um, the whole idea of left wing people being more tolerant than right wing people. OK, throughout my whole life, I never like really uh, I never believed that because yeah. my, my own experience w- didn't kind of show me that. And when I'd say stuff like that, people would be like, what? No, like all the racism is on the right. If, if, if I told people about. Even five years ago, if I told people like there was such a thing as left wing racism, right? They'd kind yeah. Of be like, what do you mean? No, all the racism is right. I'm like, and I'm like, it's 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 not, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I now think that. Um, well, can you give a quick for for me and any of my people, any mm. of my like lefty people? I mean, I'm yeah. pretty split down the middle right now. Yeah, sure. Of like liberal listeners and conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, what an example of like uh, left wing racism would be. A great, a great example. The most obvious example. Okay, I'll, I'll give you a couple. So yeah, yeah, one, one would be just the whole demonization of white people, which is kind of trendy right now. Yeah. Right. So this whole demonization of the the straight white man, the straight white male, 
calling anything and everyone, you know, white this, white that, white fragility, white privilege, white, like, I'm not someone who, so this whole concept of racism being something that can only run in one direction. Yeah. Is bogus, right? That's, that's this is not, so, it's not, it's not true. Okay. So yeah, go ahead. I, I, I just want to dive into that before you give other examples. Cause the examples that I go to in my head mm. are, um, you know, I almost see liberals when they try so hard to be liberal uh, or to be anti-racist that it's borderline patronizing. It's very, very. So like something like a dumb story I covered, just one of the fun stories I covered uh, was this article. It looked like it was in The Guardian that was written. This is about sexism, not racism, mm. um, about how uh, households are uh, set to a, a sexist temperature. The thermostat is set to a sexist <laughs> temperature. Um, and it's just like, okay, so if you're saying that like, women are strong and women are empowered. Are you also saying that like, you can't get up and change the thermostat yeah. or you can't like tell your husband, like, no, I'm like me and my girlfriend. We've never argued about the thermostat. <laughs> We're like, you good, you good. And like yeah. one of us can get a sweatshirt. Um, so like stuff like that is almost patronizing, but yes, just so you know where, so I'm going to agree and disagree with you. Cause I think okay. this is so interesting. Yeah, go for so it. the reason the left from what I see laughs at that argument, Mm. is because usually the only people saying it are rich white people, right? At least those are the people that are like loudly saying, you know, we also have to deal with racism against white people. Mm -hmm. And so the left just goes, shut up, you know? And unless you're just very tan and my Zoom is off, uh, I assume you are a, a POC as we call them. Um, and so hearing you say it is really interesting. You know, my take was always that if, you uh, systematically have more privilege. It's harder to be, um, uh, to, to really face, like on, on, on my day to day, I don't face discrimination, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I get pulled over by a cop, I'm going to be fine. Sure. Um, as a man, I don't have to worry as much when I'm like walking to my car at night, et, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, however, where I think the left is screwing up by completely writing that argument off is, there are a lot of poor, suffering white people. Oh, yeah. um, there are a lot of, you know, we'll talk about International Men's Day later, uh, men who suffer a lot. And the left is actually doing damage to their cause because by ignoring that, they're pushing people away, right? Yep. If someone calls me a cracker or talks about white privilege or whatever, you know, is to me, is that as bad as like if I was black and someone was calling me the M word? Like, absolutely not because mm -hmm. of the history of oppression. Sure. But where I think another reason the left is screwing up by anytime someone white or a man talks about their problems, mm -hmm. whether it's, I mean, dude, I was suicidal and had a partner of mine once to call it a microaggression. Yeah. And I was like, well, who do I talk to? And don't get me wrong. You can be a creep. If I was like, if you leave me, I'm going to kill myself. All right. But this was like, we were doing great. And I was like, Hey, just so you know, I've been like thinking about suicide recently. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I don't want to talk about that. That's a microaggression. So like, yeah. that's insane. Um, and, and, and the left by not hearing out the problems of white people, white working poor and of men and by demonizing them and making them feel stupid. I think, I think that's a huge mistake. So I don't know. I don't know if like, that's mm -hmm. like, I'm teaching you about sort of like, where the, the, the problem is it's always the extreme idiots on the right and the extreme idiots on the mm -hmm. left that we hear from in the news where we don't hear from the thoughtful people that go, hey, man, assuming everyone has white privilege, 
is kind of dumb because yeah. there's a lot of struggling poor white people exactly. um and we have to deal with their problems anyway anyway yeah, i'm man. so sorry no I no just, you, you you it fascinates uh, me yeah no you 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 nailed that completely man because with me it's like look i'm about and i think whether someone's whether someone calls themselves liberal conservative whatever right i'm about true equality like actual 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 equality not yeah. not special treatment not being patronizing not making assumptions on what someone believes or what their intentions are based on their skin color right or, or giving people a massive leg up let or a massive leg down like either way i'm just like look and i felt this for a very long time right with more right leaning people is i feel genuinely like i'm treated and viewed more as an actual equal right mm. not treated worse not treated better not given special privileges or special just treated the same whereas with some not all but certainly with like the like really woke progressive types right yeah i'm almost like uh i feel like i'm some kind of uh pawn to be sort of used and you know like they've actually shown, shown this i don't know if you saw that study that showed that um progressive people actually reduce they lower their vocabulary <laughs> When speaking no. to black people, I don't know if you, yeah, there's this, they did a study and it shows Jeez. that conservatives, when they're talking to people of different races, they don't change, they don't change their language or anything like that. But they actually did a study and they found that when um, progressives were addressing, like if they're addressing groups or addressing individuals, yeah, if it's a white crowd, they'll use a certain level of language and vocabulary and everything. If it's a crowd of non-white people, Yo, yo, yo. Uh, they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll kind of dumb it down. And, and you, that's so and, funny. Yeah, but it was actually studied. And I was like, yeah, that is, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Well, people forget. Now I have this image of like some like <laughs> uh, a progressive feminist lady going up to Barack Obama. Like, I'm here to help you. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it, 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 it's so interesting because it wasn't until I started reading sort of uh, more moderate writers. I think it was an Andrew Sullivan article um, that I read kind of recently where he was talking about that the majority of like the woke Twitter class mm. are upper middle class college educated white people. Yeah. And that's something that I never heard in my years of being on that side because we always assumed that like we were the uh, oppressed or we were defending the oppressed mm. when in reality it's like, I had this girl uh, on my show who's like a very left, but against identity politics. Her name is Rania Kalik, also like a woman of color. Mm -hmm. And she told this insane story on my show about how there was a janitor strike in California. And, uh, you know, all the organizers were like, you know, your classic like white upper class organizers. Uh, they, they, were, they came in to help the janitors, right? Because mm -hmm. most of the janitors didn't speak English. Uh, they weren't, you know, from America. Uh, so they came in to like help. And the first thing that they did is they wanted to go around in a circle, have all the janitors uh, give their names and their pronouns oh, that they would gosh. like to be used. And these like janitors who didn't speak English <laughs> and just want a living wage so they could take care of their children that they like carried across the border <coughs> are like, they're like, we don't care. Yeah. Does that make them transphobic? No. However, the, the white, and by the way, do I even think this makes the white organizers super pro-trans people? Also, no. I think that's them just trying to prove that mm -hmm. they are uh, the, 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 the educated, um, you know, uh, more progressive than everybody else. Yeah. 
What I wanted to say, and this could be a stretch, but it ties into one of your other passions, is I wonder if that attitude of I want everyone to start equally, I wonder if a lot of that for you comes from uh, being an athlete. Because I can tell you, I didn't start adopting that attitude. It wasn't when I started going on conservative shows. It was actually when I kind of took those two years, disappeared. You know, I've trained jujitsu and MMA for like 15 years, but I made it my full-time job um, when I had to quit comedy and all that stuff. Okay. And it was the first time I was hanging around pretty apolitical, mm-hmm. um, maybe leaned a little, pull yourself up by your bootstraps conservative, but yep. we're still in LA at the time. Sure. Um, but it was the first time I had a bunch of male role models encouraging me to get up and be tough. Mm. And you know that working out makes people more right wing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, dude, have, you, have you seen those articles? No. Are there actual articles? Oh, please. Oh yeah. Please shut Google up that after that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Google well, that. because I think part of it is sort of like, realizing so like my girlfriend started coming to train with me right and she did some like dumb cardio kickboxing stuff when she was in la where there was no adversity she didn't even have to hold pads Mm. and now she has to like hold for like when i kick and like i kick really hard and she is almost more nervous about holding pads than she is uh throwing punches Mm -hmm. and i told her i go hey, this is the part that you were missing in LA. This is the part that who cares if you can throw punches fast or if you can do cardio for three minutes. This is, you're doing the scary thing. You're facing the challenge and you're getting through it and you're going to leave here tougher. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what that two years as just a professional fighter for me was like, you know, it wasn't someone explaining to me trickle down economics. It was me being like, oh, People are better and they accomplish more when they believe in their self Mm -hmm. Um, and when they don't, you know, look, anytime I heard the words victim mentality, it was usually from like a bush and it's like, all right, well, you can speak like you were born to a president. Mm -hmm. Like the bushes like never have to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. They have all the boots. Mm -hmm. Right. And oftentimes the left just hears these very powerful, never had to work a day in their life people talking about personal responsibility. And so the left goes, screw those people. Um, You know, what about the people who were born into poverty and so on? But it was, it was me uh, uh, seeing that I could do all these things that I wasn't afraid of seeing. I mean, dude, I met more people of color in jujitsu than I ever did hanging out with progressives in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, Those guys were so white, <laughs> so white. They keep tweeting about like, we need more diversity in, in Hollywood. It's like, yo, you need more diversity in your meetups every Friday night when you're drinking in Park Slope with a bunch of white people. But, but when they're saying diversity, I'm sure if someone like myself were in that circle or lot, lots of, yeah, it's... Ugh. Diversity of skin color, but yeah, yeah. of not of view and thought, you know. Wrong type of black person. So anyway, I don't know if that's part of man. I mean, just like you growing up and like being mm-hmm. an athlete and like proving that you can do. Uh, a, I mean, Rogan talks about this all the time, like just a bunch of hard stuff. Yeah, um, it's, it's definitely a factor. I mean, because you know, if you want to talk personal responsibility, that's one thing I love about uh, going to the gym in particular, or like solo sports. Yeah, is because it's totally. It's totally on you. Whether your goal is to build muscle, your goal is to lose weight, your goal is to get in shape, like it's totally on you. You cannot right. 
you, you can't attribute your success or failure to anybody else. Like if you reach your goals, then that is totally on you. Yeah. And if you Fail? quit to go home and like yeah. eat a cheap meal, that's yeah, on you. It's, it's on you. Like no one else is feeding you. No one else is training you. Right. In most other aspects of life, you can say, I mean, even in the gym, yes, of course, people have different physical capabilities and starting points. Right. But regardless of, you know, your, your, your ethnicity or like, like all that stuff, it's out the window. You see what I mean? It's yeah. Just- so what is your solution? Because like everything you've said, I'm like on board with. Yeah. Uh, what is your solution when you said uh, the gym thing, when you're like, everyone has different starting points. Mm. So, you know, look, I still have progressive PTSD, right? Yeah. And so when I say something like, like, let's say I have a black person right into the show and they go, Hey, I'm struggling, like finding this job and whatever. And let's say we're talking about racism and stuff like that. I'm in the middle right now where I still see that in America, like there was a, a systematic uh, oppression of black people, right. Sure. From like slavery to, to, to you name it. And they're still, there still is. Mm-hmm. Um, you see it. If there wasn't, politicians wouldn't do. Uh, it's called redlining, where they try to uh, uh, change the voting districts and like kind of like shove the black people. Like there's still plenty of racism that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I recognize that, and that's like the liberal part of me. Yeah, now sure. there's the more sort of conservative athlete part of me that I got, that that my advice mm-hmm. is going to be like, yeah, dude, uh, things are harder. And if you were born into poverty, uh, you have a lot more work to do. Mm-hmm. But then I also want to go uh, work harder and shove it in their faces. Yeah. Like work twice as hard. And yeah, it's not fair, but it's going to make you a stronger person. I mean, I'm a white guy, but also my life was publicly ruined. Um, I'm getting more shows now and my podcast is getting bigger and I'm in the best shape of my life and I'm in the, you know, whatever, because mm-hmm. I've overcome adversity mm-hmm. um and like i said before there are lots of people who just got bitter and you know blamed women and they kind oh, of yeah. just started turning and i was like i can't do i'm either going to commit suicide my two options were kill myself or become the best man i've ever been exactly. uh and, and and that's the goal and the second option is always the correct option yeah um so what is your advice because there's still a little bit of white guilt when i'm like work harder <laughs> but what yeah. is your advice because there are legitimately people who start with a much worse hand. And some of that does trace back to the family before them was more mm-hmm. oppressed and the family yeah, it, before it them was more oppressed and the family before them were slaves. Yeah. So like, what's the, what's the compromise? How do you recognize that while also using personal responsibility? And you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, I would say, first of all, is, you know, with what you just said, it's important for, so One of the big problems I have with the concept of white privilege, right? A lot of people criticize me for saying that white privilege is is a bunk concept. Sure. But a lot of the reason why I say that is because, look, life life is not fair. Firstly, this is this is just a harsh truth of life, which I remember my parents telling me when I was like four or five years old, when I used to something would happen, I'd say, That's not fair, and they'd just say life is not fair. And I like the picture that, every night they tucked you <laughs> into bed. They were like, life's not fair. Night, night. But I'm, I'm very grateful for that because it's one of those sure. things, you know, we, we all know it, right? By dint of birth and just randomness, you know, I mean, I could have been born to um, a poor family and like my family's originally from Nigeria, right? I could have yeah. been, you know, I go back to Nigeria. I'm seeing people there. I see genuine, like genuine poverty, not Western poverty, 
genuine poverty in certain areas, certain villages. And it's like, man, I could have been, I could have been that kid. Right. I mean, all over the world. So I totally accept that on all these different levels, right? From people like to talk about race, sex, and sexuality for some reason. Those are kind of the three that people always talk about. But I mean, you've got people have different intelligence levels. People have different heights. People have different strength, speed. People have different uh, talents and abilities to do different things. Like we are all different in a huge multiple of ways. And if someone wanted to talk about privilege, for example, right? If I were to talk about certain types of privilege that are significantly more important and universal than say white privilege, then you've got socioeconomic privilege, right? Which some, which some people might talk about, but it's better to be um, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian's or, or Jay-Z and uh, Beyonce's or even my parents' kids. Like we're, we've got a better position than some white kid growing up in Detroit. Who, in a, yeah, in a tra- the, <laughs> you see what some, I mean? So some, it's like- some white kid who, uh, let's hypothetically say, their computer can't handle video without shutting down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so in terms of that privilege, I'm like, wait, like, that's, not a, that's not a racial thing. And then on an individual sure. level, what about intelligence? What about IQ, right? If someone has a high IQ and is naturally conscientious, they have a significantly higher chance of doing better in life by all measures than someone who is just born and isn't a smart. But no one, people would never talk about like IQ privilege or something, but that's like a genuine thing. What about people just being good looking? You're going to tell right. me there's no like huge advantage to just being like right. a good looking guy or woman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course there is, right? So like there's loads of other factors. So I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm willing to accept a concept of like white privilege if the person putting it forward to me is willing to accept all these other kinds of privileges, right? Sure. In, including other racial ones, right? I mean, you could certainly make an argument that in most countries, there's some type of majority privilege from an ethnic racial basis, okay? Right. If you go to, if you go to Nigeria, okay, where you'll really stand out, Yep. And people are kind of used to being amongst people who look right? you may have certain you may have certain disadvantages in that scenario, right? If I go to China, I've not haven't been to China before, or if I go to Japan, yeah. I, I imagine I'll have certain things work in my favor and certain yep. work against me just because I'm kind of in that minority. So we can we can totally accept that all these things um, exist to varying degrees. Coming back to answer your question, I'm very solution based. Okay. So you were asking about how to reconcile people starting at different levels and the, the you know, some of the overhangs, especially in America, yeah. um, like slavery and Jim Crow and redlining and all that stuff and different groups. You know, you can say the same with uh, women. You could say the same with gay people. Any group who historically at some point has faced, faced some crap, basically. Yeah. Um, like you can acknowledge all these things and you can have sympathy for them and you can learn from the history. And I think it's good to know it's good to know the history so you don't repeat the bad yeah, stuff yeah of course however what i think the problem is now with a you know the sort of woke progressive side of things is firstly they're weaponizing these things right so they're weaponizing it so you may make a great point right you're having a discussion you're talking about some and someone will come and say hey your your everything you're saying even if it's a fact it, it's not even it doesn't even count because right. of your skin color or whatever right i mean that's that's actually racist, right? And also yeah. it's just, and also it's not, it's not useful. It doesn't bring people together. It's not, it's not helpful. It doesn't solve problems. That just creates more and more problems. It creates antagonism, animosity. Yeah. That's why I'm not interested in 
any any of that kind of stuff. I'm just like, look, like I agree. Yeah, you know, we can um you can you can acknowledge things, but if you're talking about an individual basis or even a society and a collective basis, the personal responsibility thing, I, I can totally understand that some people might not want to hear someone who's never had to really sort of struggle, come on and just say, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. <laughs> right, right, right. I remember, you know, I think it was Martin Luther King who said, um, it's cruel to sell, tell someone with no boots to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. It's like, sure. I, 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 I get that. But the truth is for any individual, it doesn't matter the situation. You could say the same for someone who's suffering with alcoholism or with drug addiction or just just with um, being broke or being unemployed, whatever their personal situation and struggle is, the reality always is it's up to you. Dude. It's up to you to make that improvement. This isn't saying that it's easy. This isn't saying that there's no outside forces that may make it harder for this person than it is for that person. I, I, I get that. I can sympathize with it. But dwelling on that, does not yeah. get anything done. You do at some point have to go, okay, I'm going to. Yeah. yeah, man. I mean, uh, two examples from my life and like, look, I didn't grow up in any kind of privilege, but two, two recent examples from my life are obviously like what happened to me, right? Where mm-hmm. I can be like, well, that girl lied. And then this one said, you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead I literally had to be like, what was everything that I did wrong? What was everything that I could do better? And even though those things are like nothing compared to what was said about me, it's still like, I can still change those things. Mm -hmm. uh, And I can still make this pretty rough situation um, be, make my life better, you know? Um, but, But I think a more relatable example for your audience is when you mentioned alcoholism, um, you know, I've had addiction in my family. I have a very addictive personality. For me, I think the only reason I'm not, I haven't died as an alcoholic is because I'm a lightweight and I kind mm. of hate alcohol. Um, <laughs> so like, I'm just not good at drinking, but I, I still feel that like urge. So like, I don't drink. Um, but for me, it was food. Food okay. was really, really hard for me. And you know, that's something that guys don't talk about because eating disorders are like a chick thing, right? Mm-hmm. But how many guys binge eat? How many guys are addicted to horrible food. Um, you know, it's an issue that doesn't get talked about with a lot of men. And there's this big thing in AA. And look, if AA works for you, like, God bless you. Their success rate is not good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think what's good about AA is accountability. Um, you know, the sponsor idea, I think is really good. But one of their principles that I'm not the craziest, the biggest fan of, is that you are powerless over your addiction. That's like mm-hmm. one of their like tenets. Oh, is that what they say? Yeah. So it's like you have to pick a higher power, even if you're not religious and your higher power is guiding you. um, And it's that you're powerless. And the problem with that is um, whenever, you know, a family member of mine would relapse and they were like, well, it happened to me for a reason. And maybe I was supposed to meet this person who I'm going to sponsor or whatever. It's like, Mm -hmm. you're kind of using that as an excuse to keep screwing up as opposed to when I quit, I'm like, I'm going to quit cold Turkey. This is on me. Like you said, if I decide to start drinking, uh, it's because of me, uh, whatever. When you identify yourself as this broken person, um, 
your tendencies are to continue that broken behavior. So like I wrote an article ages ago about um, guys with eating disorders. Um, hilariously enough, it was in Jezebel, which was the place that wrote the article about me that, so if you, uh, if you look up being and Jezebel, it's like this brave piece about a man with this eating disorder. And then oh, it's God. like sexual predator. Oh, no. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, but uh, the piece went viral. It was like the only thing I went on NPR to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And, but it ended, with this line and I didn't even uh, mean for it to be a slight on AA but it was about how when I realized I had the power to say no to this like terrible food or when I realized I had the power to like get healthy or whatever I became strong and it ended I'll say F instead of the F word so you don't have to edit Mm -hmm. Uh, I said uh, you know F being powerless be powerful that was the last sentence Um, and a couple AA people actually wrote to me and got really mad they were the only ones who were like offended by the article because um, that is their big thing is you are powerless. And so anyway, so yesterday, so this is the healthiest I've ever been. I've been doing jujitsu once or twice a day. Um, I've started to cut out uh, carbs and sugar and I'm not drinking and I feel great. But yesterday was the first day and I was kind of under the weather, but not to give myself excuses. It was the first day that I was craving uh, fast food mm. and uh, you know, we thought it would be a funny because Chick-fil-A, uh, <laughs> I thought it would be funny yesterday. I'm like, oh, I'm going to post a picture. I'm going to get Chick-fil-A. Yeah. But then once I had that Chick-fil-A once, it wasn't like a cheat meal. I was like, oh, now I should go to Taco Bell. And all that addict stuff started to kick in. Oh, okay, gotcha. Here's the wild part. And I discovered it this morning. My girlfriend and I were talking about it in bed. The wild part is a friend of mine called me yesterday and started talking about his problems with food. And so for me to be like an empathetic person, I go, hey, man, like I have an eating disorder. I have problems with binge eating, whatever. Mm. And th- but I, I thought nothing of it. And then I just gave him advice and I helped him out or whatever. Suddenly, hours later, I'm like shaking, thinking about Taco Bell. And my girlfriend goes, but you were just helping this guy. Think about that. Mm. But it was because I identified myself. Yeah as someone with an eating disorder. And what does someone with an eating disorder do? Someone with an eating disorder eats Chick-fil-A and then wants to eat Taco Bell at mm-hmm. 10 p.m. As opposed to identifying myself as a strong athlete who helped his friend. Mm-hmm. And so I think this that's the same with drinking, is the times that you're just like, I'm a screw up, I can't drink, I'm gonna mess things up anyway. It's like, well, what does a screw up do? A screw up doesn't go to the gym, a screw up drinks, a screw up eats bad food. Yeah. Um, and that's the problem I see with like this identity <laughs> politics thing. If as white people, we are just pandering like, oh, like, so sorry, black people or like, mm-hmm. so sorry, women. Like, what well, what can we do? Um, it's like we need to hear out people for sure. And we need to do what we can to help. But when it gets to that pandering level, we're essentially telling them you are a victim, right? Yep. You have the eating disorder. This is the, you this are is powerless. The real, and this is the real problem, man. This is the real, real, real problem. And you know, I, I like to, I like to not attribute bad motives to anybody, but yeah. there are certainly some people on the sort of, let me call it control left, who I don't believe that their motives are as altruistic as, as they're kind of masquerading as. Yeah. And part of the reason I say this is as a, as a black guy, who's not a lefty, right? Yeah. The way these people respond to people such as myself and any it's rough one who is you know black asian whatever who's not on their side or who questions or challenges some of these ideas the n-word comes out 
pretty quick, right? <laughs> like, wow. you know, yeah, like it, it comes I, up, right? I like most of the race, most of the racist stuff I've ever encountered hasn't been from, it's, it's not from the right, you know, it's really right. not. It's from people on, you know, that side of things, even sometimes uh, quite often other black people, especially black Americans who, right, I'm not kind of going along with a certain narrative and they'll be the quickest to call me whether it's an Uncle Tom or a Coon or a whatever, and yeah. house N-word or whatever. And you're just kind of like, wow, okay, this isn't really a compassionate. I'm here trying to all offer an alternative perspective and trying to say what I'm saying on this, right? Like, look, I understand that there can be all these issues. However, you do have the power, right? Individually, you can raise yourself out of this. You can raise your family, raise your children, whoever it is out of this, right? You can't spend forever. I can understand. I understand history, right? But you can't go on forever. In the year 2200, you can't still be blaming the white man or white people for everything, right? That's, that's just not going to fly. At some point, you've got to be like, okay, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw a line in the sand and I'm going to do what I can with my own volition and my own power to educate myself and work hard and raise my children and marry this woman and have a family, right. whatever, whatever the things are, right? It's, it's very behavioral, right? There's a lot of negative behaviors that people engage in, which have nothing to do with any, any outside source. No one else is like forcing that on you. So when people are doing that and they're trying to blame other people, but the problem is internal and that's the kind of mirror, I think, I think, I think that's why people react strongly because you're kind of holding up a yeah. mirror and saying, wait, look, it's not someone else who's uh, holding you down here. Well, I, I, I think social media has so much to do with it. And maybe I'm just jealous because you got a bigger Twitter following than me. <laughs> but I think I'm like, we all got to get off social media. But I think that social media is a, a big part of it, right? Because like nothing you said, uh, nothing you said just now made me want to call you the M word, right? Yeah, nothing okay. you said to me, uh, you said is like uh, uh, problematic, you know, mm. even our disagreements, like, to take one example that uh, even a lot of conservatives are coming around on uh, while Joe Biden is not is like the war on drugs, right? Like mm. the war on drugs affected so many more of these like poor black communities. Sure. Um, and, you know, we even saw that like the uh, like the crack and cocaine, which are essentially modified versions of the same drugs. Cocaine mm -hmm. was a predominantly uh, white person drug, uh, a, a rich white person drug, mm -hmm. so the punishment was far less. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas crack, it was like this crack ep epidemic and people were thrown away forever because that's you do, what was you do know that You do know that crystal meth also had the same harsher punishment. Yes, that yes, 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 yes. Mm, which is interesting. Um, although now it's like the opioid, this is a whole conversation. Yeah, but sure. The so so let's just say for now, right? Uh, the, the the war on drugs didn't start off with like the best intentions for the black community. Yeah, sure. But now there are people coming out of jail, uh, and because our prison system also focuses uh, less on rehabilitation and more on punishment, and there were so many of these harsh sentences for people who were just selling weed. We're like, mm -hmm. you know, I could sell weed if I wanted to, and I would have been fine back in the day at like a fish concert. Um, now they're getting out of jail and now it's harder for them to get jobs and it's harder for them to pick themselves up, you know, and, and stuff like that. So it's not just slavery. I mean, there are lots of like little mini repercussions. Yeah, However, sure. I don't think a lot of your listeners will disagree with that. Um, what I was going to say about social media is social media brings out the most toxic parts okay. in us that I bet you money when the majority of people see you tweet something 
about personal responsibility or race or whatever, they're, they don't get a chance to hear you talk about like, no, 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 I believe in black people, which is why I believe that they can become stronger and they can pull themselves up. Like, dude, I never thought that's what actual conservatives meant because again, <laughs> I, I was hearing the Bush families. I was hearing yeah. the whatever. And by the way, victim mentality, I thought that was so offensive or handouts where I was like, yo, these are people struggling. Mm. Um, they're not playing the victim. They're struggling. But now I can see the like, a lot of them, it may not even be a conscious decision. It's that, look, the times I've, I've been the most successful have been when I'm like, oh, I'm about to lose everything. Yeah. And I just make stuff happen. And I yeah. just hustle. And it doesn't have to do with being white. Um, like, I just hustle. Um, but that's why these podcasts are so important. Because I feel like so much of the toxicity online could end if, like, it, you see that it's like, hey, you're more conservative, I'm more liberal. We want the same thing. Um, if we want to go about it in different ways, cool. I bet there's a bunch of things we can agree on. Like, let's weed out some of the more extreme things on both of our sides. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can actually have a solution. But, dude, if it's just Twitter... No oh boy. <laughs> Garbage. Especially because, I mean, how many times have you posted something positive and it's like five likes? But if you, like, start tearing into someone uh it's just like it blows up you're rewarded for toxicity yeah yeah it's it's weird you know i've got a rule on twitter which is that actually i never i never attack people like this okay. people it's it's weird like people see can see all this like conflict and back yeah. and forth i never right i challenge ideas and i make bold statements but sure. I, I'll never go on there and I'll just like at somebody or just. You so are a this. No, yeah. I, I, I don't do that. Right. I'll just I'll state an I'll state an opinion or a, a position. Sometimes I do it as well to generate conversation. Right. Yeah. I know. Obviously, I know. OK, some people are going to, you know, have a certain response to this or whatever. But I want to generate a conversation and open up this debate. People can say maybe you shouldn't do that on Twitter, but I think it's fun and it's interesting. Right. I like to see the different sides and genuinely learn from people. But then you just get the people who will read it. And rather than reading what you've written or listening to what you've said, they'll just take what they think you said or what they think you wrote or what they, what, whatever they can get angry at, right? People are trying yeah. to get angry. And then they'll just jump on like the worst possible the worst oh. possible interpretation. Dude, you, you might even be giving them more credit. And I've given the <laughs> spiel on Rogan's and Burt's before, but if you haven't heard it, I mean, it, 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 it's worth repeating. Mm. When I was doing that, I wasn't even like reading people like your tweets or <laughs> arguments. I would wake up in the morning and because that's where I got my validation from, because I was mm. in a bad relationship, I was hanging out with these like, dorks in mm -hmm. brooklyn like the only time i felt like camaraderie was doing jujitsu um where i would get my validation is twitter so i would wake up first thing in the morning i would see the trending topics the trending topics are geared towards who you follow so it would literally be like whoever the left is mad at that day okay so oftentimes it was like david brooks from the new york times right mm. wouldn't read his article i would just read <laughs> the i would read the tweets of the people I agree with who yeah. are making fun of his article. Yeah. And I would go, okay, I guess I got the gist of why. Because there's no time. Because mm -hmm. you have to come up with your hot take and your funny burn yeah. before it blows up, right? Yeah. So then I would be like, all right, we're mad at David Brooks because of this. I would construct my, my little joke. I would tweet it. And then, 
you know, let's say it was about the education system. Instead of then researching articles about how to better the education system, I'm sitting there refreshing my Twitter waiting for the likes to come in, waiting yeah. for it to get retweeted, waiting for a celebrity to start following me. Um, so I didn't even care about the actual issue. I told myself I did. Mm. Um, but really, it was just feeding this validation. So like, dude, I don't even think people try to decipher a lot of those tweets. They know you were in the enemy side of their side. Mm. So they're just going to find the way to pick it apart. No one is reading the opposition's Twitter looking for something they agree with. That is an insane thing to do on Twitter. Um, however, what's happening now is there is this breakout of people, you know, me from the left, you more from the right, some people who are legitimately center on a lot of issues mm -hmm. who are like so sick of the tribalism that they're having these conversations. Yeah. And it's a lot harder to dehumanize someone when you actually have a conversation with them, of see course. that they're human, and the, the wildest part, see that you agree on most things. Yeah, of course. Look, I, I've always said this, right? People are always like, you know, left, right, left, right, left, right. It's, it's, firstly, I think it's funny, this concept that, uh, this is what I said on Rogan, right? I said, we're living in a time where uh, gender is a spectrum, apparently, but politics is binary. That's such right? a good so, line. <laughs> so also, like, oh. I love that Rogan is so huge that everyone else's podcast has to be like, when I was on Rogan, I said oh, this. Rogan. And then yeah, you're yeah. like, when I was on Rogan, I said this. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, so, but, it, but it's crazy, right? Because that is one thing that you could legitimately say is like a social construct, right? The high idea is just the, the red team and the blue team, right? That's a fascinating I mean, line. Yeah. yeah. So like in the, in the UK, you, the UK you've, you've at least got like, a third party that's reasonably it's like parliamentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. You know, here you've got the uh, Labour conservative, you've got the Lib Dems, and you've at least you've got some other parties which at least get spoken about. Yeah. In the US it's just like Republican, Democrat, red, blue. Like that's, that's which, by one. the way, <laughs> I bet a lot of the left uh and right or and a lot of these people in the center, if they felt more represented, mm. um, you know, because look, the, the the Democrats and the Republicans are all corporate sellouts yeah. Yeah. Um, they're all gross if there were more libertarians in the debate from kind of the right and then more of like you're kind of like ralph nader's like on the left there's actually a lot of stuff like tulsi gabbard's a great example andrew yang's a great example yep. um I, that's I, why they I'm don't talking into that party now exactly dude i'm talking to tulsi right now about coming on the podcast and oh, it's cool. just like i mean people like that you just have to have people that shake it up yeah. because our two-party system is a scam and both people on the right and the left are being, uh, uh, are, are being punished because of it. Yeah, no, it's true, man. And look, I mean, this is one thing a lot of people don't get, especially when they get too locked into their echo chambers. And this is, this is part of my message, right? You know, I've got my own personal views. You know, I try to be, I try to always be, reasonable and relatively moderate on most issues but you know i do have my opinions and i'm sure i have my biases but one thing i'm always part of my message is like look one it's good to talk across the aisle and to have friends and family members and other people you associate with with different views like that's totally fine this whole idea of like locking yourself into this echo chamber is crazy for a multitude of reasons even one just big one like you don't actually know what's going on 
So many people right. were caught off guard in 2016. How did Trump get elected? It's like, mm, well, maybe if you actually spoke to other people. <laughs> Dude, all, all, <laughs> my all my comedian friends who were on the road that year were like, oh, we saw it coming. Yeah. But like New York and LA, it's yeah. like, yeah, there was a reason that like everyone started breaking down crying. It's yeah. like, oh, you were not braced for this, were you? Yeah. And to come back to what you were saying earlier, and I think what we've been sort of alluding to in this podcast is if I could give like um, – uh, a good sort of generalization of sort of like conservative right-leaning opinion versus liberal and left-leaning and their own blind spots is yeah. I think that the, the conservative blind spot is that you can, is that conservative people can sometimes maybe lean too much towards personal responsibility or so much in that way at the expense of not being able to recognize system like, problems in the system yeah right and then people who are more left-leaning and the further left-leaning you go the more this is the case i'd say the blind spot is thinking that everything is a problem with the system yeah. and not with the individuals or the or the could, groups right and could so, not agree more with all of yeah them. exactly so so you actually need this dialogue for any any country any system whatever it's healthy right you have this idea like you, some people are like oh i just want to live in a place with just conservatives or i want to live in a place with just it's like look no you you need yeah. both well, sides because sometimes sometimes the the boundaries are in the wrong place you yeah know, and i mean boundaries, to, but stuff shifts around yeah yeah and to add to what you were saying to take it a step further it's both of those in a perfect world are great solutions mm -hmm. if everyone on the left who was struggling got that welfare check uh, got that, you know, whatever, uh, used it to build this life and to work incredibly hard, mm -hmm. it would be a utopia. On the yeah. right, if all the people at the highest levels of power, I mean, look, you have Alan Greenspan who uh, created trickle-down economics say that he was wrong mm. because so many people at the top, when you go, hey, just give the money to the corporations uh, instead of the people, they'll create more jobs. Mm. You had so many greedy people at the top who kept the money for themselves or, you know, the Wall Street uh, crowd, all, all, all this stuff. So, like, that's an example of the right now working. However, if if both sides mm -hmm. could be honest and you know everybody did what they were supposed to do and weren't selfish, either of those could work. Yeah. Um, the problem is the people who will take advantage of the welfare system mm -hmm. uh, need to be held accountable and the people at the highest levels of these corporations who you know will get these massive tax breaks and instead of creating jobs will give you know the person who sunk the uh, the company a golden parachute so he can yeah. retire into riches it's like well that guy has to be held accountable too yeah. um, but again same solution right like yeah, we man, have to this, be talking yeah it's the same thing and you know it, it, and at different times in different places sometimes the bigger problem is the system right yep. sometimes you just have a system and you're like oh this is not this is, broken. This is not this is not fair this is this is very clearly unequal right the most obvious example would be any kind of law which clearly discriminates against a group saying okay you know women can't do this or black people can't do this or right you know what right like anything like that that's a very clear example okay this system is not genuinely equal right this is by not, the way there's no equality Twitter is such toxic garbage that you saying <laughs> that you saying that that basic human sentiment would surprise a ton of people on the left <laughs>
like if we took out like here's Zuby saying that like you shouldn't have laws that discriminate people would be like really that guy thinks that um <laughs> it's insane like yeah. literally when you said that i was like ah oh, good man like yeah. I shouldn't be surprised you're saying that. that no, that's not. a crazy thing. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. yeah, but then sometimes the system is, sometimes the system is, is pretty good or at least as good as it's going to get. Yeah. And the problem is, the problem is not with the system. It's us. The problem is just, is, is us, right? People are not, this is the thing, right? People have freedom. So you've got the freedom to make good decisions and you've also got the freedom to make terrible decisions, right? If I, right. If I run off and I decide to um, impregnate eight different women, and I'm now complaining that, oh, I've got to pay all this child support or I don't have this. Ah. It's like, well, I'm the one who I use my freedom to go and yep. do that. So I've now. Hey, man, my- it's, it's the holiday season. <laughs> who wouldn't want to impregnate <laughs> eight women? <laughs> right? or like if I go and I, I don't know, I, I get myself in trouble. I put I get myself in prison or whatever. Yeah. It's like, look, I've I made that choice. And this again, this comes down to that responsibility <laughs> thing again. Sure. You may have a system. Or you may have situations where certain people, for various reasons, are more likely to commit certain crimes or have certain behavior. Dude, I get that. Yeah. However, it's still, it's like both things are true. People are always like, which one is it? I'm like, well, sometimes it's, it's normally both. It, degrees. it has been so empowering to me. If I didn't, when my life crashed and burned, if I didn't, you know, rekindle my friendship with Rogan, find people like you and Jocko and, you know, people who I literally wouldn't have even given a a chance Mm. um, back in the day. You know, we would have just assumed Jocko was a war criminal. And, you know, (laughs) uh, like I went to like my, I easily could have gone into that if I wasn't blaming other people, um, at least being like, I am the victim of my own circumstances. And just, I used to be like the depressed sad sack and I would own being depressed as an identity. And like, Mm. look, I still talk about mental health on the podcast and I'll tweet about it. And I think it's important to tell people that they're not alone. But at the same time, if you own that as your identity, just like the eating disorder thing or the, you know, whatever, if you're constantly saying you are the victim, Mm -hmm. you're going to act like a victim. And, you know, the, the, the main reason I was psyched to do your show is there's a ton of stuff we disagree with politically, but it was, I think I found you because of a post you made on like health. Like I found you before you kind of blew up mm. um, because of a health thing okay. um, or a gym thing. And I was like, oh, this dude's trying to do good. And where I'm at now is I've seen so much toxic garbage on the left and the right mm-hmm. that I'm like, I just want to be around. I want to surround myself with people who want to help others get better. Um, and if we disagree politically, we'll probably have awesome conversations about it it's like fine, this. Right? Um, but at the same time, it's just like, I would so much rather be around a conservative that's helping people get healthy, helping people kick addictions than I would a liberal who's just going to be like, take another self-care day. The world is burning. <laughs> uh, that's just like a horrible way to live, you know? Um, I mean, dude, I'm about to start a jujitsu podcast. And okay. part of me thinks it's going to take off even more than the political podcast. And I might peace out. Like, uh, you know, I have this Netflix director coming to my stand-up show uh, next month. There's part of me that I'm like, I may do this special, you know, drop the mic and then just go like teach jujitsu <laughs> around the world. Like I'm kind of fantasizing about that, yeah. but hanging out with athletes, dude, I'm telling you, and a lot of them are, are a little more center, a little more conservative, or mm. at the very least are liberal, but 
they don't check their language or yeah, check yeah, their yeah. privilege. They're just funny, cool, compassionate guys. Yeah, I mean, dude, you know who most makes the most like race jokes that I hang out with? My Mexican coach. Um, <laughs> to the people that like we're all just laughing about it yeah. it's so just wonderful to be able to hang around people diverse people mm-hmm. who can just laugh about everything again Dude. without constantly like monitoring Dude, your that, language you, you've and nailed all it. of us just want to lift each other up you've nailed it man sense of humor is so underrated oh sense of humor right like i don't care what people are left right da, 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 what right if you don't have a sense of humor and an ability to just not take stuff so seriously all the time, dude. then I can rock with you. When it's someone who's just there like a, like a hall monitor, right? Just yeah. waiting, waiting yeah. for someone to, to say, to say or to do the wrong thing. Just to sweat. I'm just like- We've all just become oh, man, narcs. Like, I, I can tell you the moment, I've never really pinpointed it, mm. but the moment that I knew I wasn't going to kill myself when like everything was going down is- um. You know, my my uh, my girlfriend at the time came back and, you know, I thought she was going to bail and she was really supportive. So that mm-hmm. helped. But I was literally shaking, buying the equipment, Googling how to kill yourself. Like, it was oh, wow. bad. Wow. And, uh, you know, I didn't talk to anyone, didn't call my family, ignored all the phone calls. And, uh, and suddenly there was this moment of silence. And I looked at uh, I looked at my girlfriend and I was like, well, I guess I'm finally allowed to watch Woody Allen movies now. And we both laughed. And, you know, we both started laughing so hard because it was a dumb joke, but there was this cathartic, like, okay, once you can laugh at the bad thing, yeah. uh, you're good. And, you know, this is a, this is a kind of a, a, a hacky line, but it's so true. Oftentimes, like at comedy clubs, the, when someone's making race jokes – Again, not hateful, not like black people go home, (laughs) but like just like race humor or whatever. It's usually the black people who are laughing the hardest and the white people. Dude, I've had so many (laughs) of my friends, black people will come up to them after the show and be like, yo, this stuff was funny. I don't know what was wrong with the white people (laughs) next to me. Where it's like they're the ones making everyone uncomfortable because you're right. There's that hall monitor mentality. Mm. Whereas like really strong, confident people, like we know how to laugh at ourselves, And we also know that humor can be the thing that makes the scary situation. It can break the ice. And once that ice is broken and you can laugh at it, it's like, okay, now we can like battle plan and figure out like how to, how to handle things. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think, I think that's why I think comedy is so important, right? That's why I'm, it's, it's why I'm, you know, I'm not a comedian, but it's why I, I am a little bit concerned of this whole thing of going after comedians for jokes, right? Because I'm, I'm like, no, nah, man, you like, that's a sign of a sick society when you're coming for coming for the jesters, right? Like, it, like those are the yeah. people who, if you imagine like steam building up in a pipe, these are the people who are like poking holes in it and allowing yeah. that pressure to just escape. And everyone can just be in this room and everyone can laugh and you can snicker at stuff that you know, you know. You know, like is wrong. Yeah. It's well, and it's, it's also like, like oh, it's it's gonna backfire yeah. because it's gonna backfire on the left because comics are pretty defiant. Mm. And you know, when Shane Gillis got fired from SNL, I can't tell you the last time. And by the way, Shane Gillis is not racist. I just, if anyone was wondering, uh, not racist at all. The joke he made on the podcast was making fun of racists. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but. I have never heard comics use the derogatory word for Asians 
mm-hmm. more in my life, not hatefully, mm-hmm. more in my life than after Shane was fired. Because comics do this thing where we go, oh, we're not allowed to say that. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have said that because now we're going to say it all the time. Yeah, yeah. And so one, it's going to backfire and it's going to cause a bunch of comics coming up just being like who are so upset with PC culture that they're just going to start writing Look, new comics are usually very bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're just going to start writing just horribly mean, offensive stuff because they think that's edgy, right? Yeah. Um, good edgy comedy is using all of those words you're not supposed to say, going after those sacred cows, but also it's coming from a place of truth and vulnerability and it's not mm-hmm. coming from anger or hatred. Um, so one, the left is screwing that up because it's the, the pushback's going to be brutal. Yeah. Um, two... Just because personal responsibility has kind of been the theme of this podcast, um, just be better. Like I talked about this on my show this week. There was that tweet that went viral of that woman who shut down her comedy show. Did oh, you see gosh. this? Yes, I did. It was rough. She's like, I've never felt more alive. And it's like, yo, if you're a performer and the only time you felt alive was shutting down other performers, you got to become a better performer. Like yeah. that's rough. And, you know, so she, she said they were misogynistic comics. She went up on stage, she shut down the whole show, uh, kicked everyone out, never felt so alive. So my thought with that is one, look, that could have been an educational moment. Like I said, dumb jokes. And if I said something that wasn't funny and was legitimately hateful Mm. and a comic I came up to, or I respected was like, Hey, you're better than that joke. You know, like there was a reason that joke bombed. Mm -hmm. It's like, cool. I'm now affected and I'm now maybe changed for the better. If that person walked up on stage and cut my mic, you're damn sure that at the next show I'm going 10 times harder. But with the personal responsibility thing, if there were a bunch, let's say these guys weren't funny. Let's say it was hacky sexist jokes. Mm -hmm. And let's say that owner, instead of shutting them down, got up on stage and just murdered just had a killer set right yeah, yeah. whether she makes fun of them or not mm-hmm. those guys are going to sit in the back of the room and be like oh yeah maybe my stuff's kind of lazy you know um and you could have actually done something great conversely something that we hear a lot of uh people on the right say now is that you know white men are losing opportunities because of pc hollywood Mm. They are right. Um, I can say on your show, breaking news, I've had very famous writers, directors, and agents all tell me that they're having trouble booking their white guys. There have been things that I could have been up for that I couldn't because there's a diversity quota. Do I think that we need more diversity in Hollywood, uh, more black showrunners? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do I think that you should only hire people because of their skin color if the product's not going to be good? No, because then the product's going to be bad and you're going to go, see, this is what happens when you do female reboots. That's yep. what happened with Charlie's Angels. System. Yep, it's happening with that. Um, yeah, so, but with that said, what I will say uh, on the more kind of liberal side, and I hate defining it, sure. is me as a white guy, I can go, yeah, okay. You know, the liberal part of me is like, we have had it good. <laughs> we had our run. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I could go play victim or I could go, uh, yeah, it's true. And it's weird that white guys are being shut out for a lot of writing. Um, however, the Republican side of me, instead of complaining about that, is going to go, that means I have to be better. 
That means I have to work harder. So like the Asian girl who shut down that show, she should have been better. Mm -hmm. Me as a white guy, it's harder for me to get hired in Hollywood. I have to be better. And when, and you know this as an athlete, when your goal, when you stop looking at, there's this great line where uh, the reason that racehorses have to look straight ahead is because if they look side to side, they'll be completely thrown off track. Okay. So if we take that into our life and instead of looking and judging what everyone else is doing, we just focus on ourselves. And if our goal is how can we be better every day, whether that means how can I get more work? Uh, how can I be healthier? How can I, whatever, if that's our goal, then dude, like we're great. You're just going to get the best product from everybody. But when you're constantly looking at other people and being like, it's not fair that that guy got hired, whether I as a white guy go, it's not fair that he got hired as a diversity hire and I'm more talented. Or when uh, the minority goes, it's not fair that I'm not getting hired because, uh, you know, of the systematic racism. Mm -hmm. What if all of us just said, you know, what if all of us got excited by that? Mm -hmm. What if you got excited by like, oh, you're going to tell me no? or okay. I'm not supposed to get in there, guess what? I'm going to get in there and I'm going to get in there and I'm going to do it better and it's going to make me a better artist. Uh, and when I get in there, I'm going to bury people and I'm going to be so, that's why I'm doing with comedy now. Yeah. It's like, oh, you heard something about me? Well, every club I've left, club owners are calling other club owners being like, no one has been disrespectful to my staff. No one has been this nice and he's murdering people or he's murdering audiences and no one can follow up. It's yeah. like, yeah, you're right. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be sober. I'm going to shake every woman's hand. I'm not even going to hug. Uh, <laughs> and then I'm going to kill it on stage uh, because I have to. Yeah. I have to work harder now, but I see that as a good thing. Absolutely, man. Spoken like a true conservative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's happening. Welcome Slowly. Oh, <laughs> dude, I moved out of LA. I live in Arizona now. I'm okay. just... My cop friend's going to take me shooting. And I'm oh, like, no. I think that dude, I'm going to have a truck and a gun in like a year. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> That's so funny, man. Dude, it's been, yeah, man. I feel like this is one of those ones where, where we could talk forever, but um, I'm, let's just do it again. I'm conscious of the time. So yeah, we will, we will definitely have you back on the podcast in the future, man. Um, but before we go, tell people where they can find and follow you online and also where they can find your podcast. Yes, guys, uh, reward, uh, people who aren't maniacs by following me on Twitter. Uh, it is much harder nowadays, uh, to, to have nuanced conversations. Like when I told my agent, like the podcast is going to be nuanced under Trump. They were like, cool, you're on your own. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jamie Kilstein, J-A-M-I-E-K-I-L-S-T-E-I-N. My Instagram is the Jamie Kilstein and then the podcast uh, which I, your audience will like it's uh, it's it's filthier uh, however <laughs> uh, is uh, the Jamie Kilstein podcast which is free on iTunes Spotify Stitcher all the podcast places all of that information is at uh, jamiekilsteinpodcast.com all the links uh, we're on YouTube too uh, youtube.com slash Jamie Kilstein uh, we've started to post our interviews and yeah we got like Big people coming up um, on both sides. Uh, and then every day, it's kind of just like a 20-minute uh, recap of here's where the left screwed up, here's where the right screwed up. We laugh at all the, we laugh at all of them. And then once a week, there's like a bigger interview. So yeah, Tulsi Gabbard's coming up. Uh, awesome. Good stuff. Awesome, man. Jamie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Dude, this and, was a uh, blast. Thank absolutely, you. Absolutely, man. We'll make it happen again. All right, see you, brother. Bye-bye. Yeah.
ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.